It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 7th, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is back in his seat tonight. Dad, welcome back. Jacob, thanks. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well. And, uh, well, he was sitting in your seat last week. He's sitting behind the controls tonight. Monty Overton is here. Monty, welcome. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. And Monty, we're going to give you double time pay tonight. All right. Yeah. And um, my father-in-law is also here uh, behind the microphone, uh, behind Monty. Hello, Papa. It's good to be here. Thanks. Good to have you here. Nick Law, you ought to tell his name. That's right. Nick Law is <laughs> here. From Jennings, That's Florida. Right. Yeah, from Jennings, Florida. So thank you for being here, and thank you for joining us. We look forward to your comments on the program tonight on an interesting topic submitted by one of our listeners. Yeah, our friend Chris in Atlanta sent a link to an article, um, a blogger named um, Chuck Tate has written a, an article, 22 Things Christians Need to Stop Doing Now. Uh, uh, Chris thought it was interesting. I did, too. And I thought we would just comment about the 22 things that this Chuck Tate says that Christians need to stop doing. I think we're going to find a lot of agreement with some of the things he says. My guess is we're going to also see that we disagree, at least partially, with some of the things that he says. Uh, we would have, I'm certain, some doctrinal differences with Mr. Tate. But uh, I think some of his observations are worthy, and we ought to be probably... Uh, doing or stopping to do some of the things that he that he talks about in this blog. But before we get to that, um, I want to spend a minute, Jacob, uh, uh, talking about what's coming up here in Columbia. Yes. Uh, just a little over a week, a week from this coming Monday and Tuesday. It will be Monday and Tuesday, the 18th and 19th of July. We're going to have our community Bible study here in Columbia. This is an annual thing that we do, and it's really been effective in the past, and we're looking forward to another good session this year. Um, in years past, we've dealt with things like homosexuality and and the religion of Islam. This year, we're going to talk about um, the upcoming election and things that Christians need to take into consideration as they're preparing to vote in this big election this fall. Um, Steve Klein who preaches and teaches in Athens, Alabama, is going to do the uh, sessions for us. He'll bring a, a lesson, talk about some important moral issues that relate to the upcoming election. And then, as we always do, we'll take questions from the audience, a question and answer period at the end. We think it'll really be informative. It's not a political meeting. No. We're not going to be endorsing political candidates or anything like that. We're going to be talking about the moral issues that Christians need to take into account as they're planning to vote this fall. I had someone question me just yesterday, uh, what are they going to talk about? Uh, all the candidates have their issues. And I said, well, we're not going to be talking about candidates, specific candidates. We're going to be talking about the moral principles that Christians need to have in mind as they decide about the vote they cast this fall. All right. And then uh, 
he's also going to talk about uh, a citizenship that we have that's more important than anything here on earth. Yes, our citizenship in the kingdom of God, far more important than our citizenship. However, the scriptures do talk about our responsibilities as citizens in the worldly government, Right. But but more importantly, in the eternal kingdom of God. All right. So that is July 18th and 19th, 2016. And uh, oh, I didn't say that right. July 21st. And no, 20th, no, no, no. You're right. Yeah. And um, and so you want to find out uh, more about that. Yeah. It's uh, we've got the flyer uh, on the homepage of of our collegeview.com website, so you can go there. Get the information. We always hold these community Bible studies at a neutral site. Uh, the last several years, we've been using uh, a public auditorium near downtown Columbia. Everybody around here knows where it is. It's called the Memorial Building. Uh, if you're anywhere near in, in Middle Tennessee, uh, I think you'll really be glad to spend the time to come to Columbia for this event. And it's easy to find. It's on the main east-west drag through Columbia about two blocks west of the downtown courthouse square is where this memorial building is. Easy to find, but if you have any questions, uh, just give us a call. All right. And, uh, well, we shouldn't give this away, but if you're not within driving distance, we'll be posting the audio. Yeah, we will put it on the website, but you'd do a and lot better. I got better. a request today yeah. to live stream it, so we may even be able to pull that off. Well, maybe we can. Maybe we can. We'll have to see. Uh, so we'll work on that. All right, uh, plan, make your plans to be at the Community Bible Study July 18th and 19th. Just about a week and a half away. Yeah. Getting close. Yeah, a week from this coming Monday. Yeah. All right, uh, on to the topic tonight. All right, so this this blog by this blogger Chris Tate, or excuse me, Chuck Tate, uh, says 22 things Christians need to stop doing. If we're going to cover all 22, Jacob, this is going to be like the lightning round. Yeah, i got like uh, a minute and a half each. Yeah, we can't talk too long about them. But, hey, but, if we're going to stop doing them, we don't need to talk about it long. We'll just nip it in the bud <laughs> right now. But uh, we're still looking for your input. Remember, we've, we sent out this link and the information to our update list earlier today, and you can get on that list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We're just going to do these one at a time. Number one thing Christians need to stop doing now, quit expecting the world to like you. Yeah. Jesus said it would hate you. And then he references John 15, beginning verse 18, and Matthew 10, beginning verse 22. I think that's a good point. You know, I think a lot of Christians uh, are trying desperately to do things to make themselves popular and likable in the world. Yes. And religious groups are following suit. uh, Denominations are following suit. In Matthew, I'm sorry, in John 15, verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And then down in verse 20, he says, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. Jesus said, Hey, don't be surprised. I, I left you the perfect example. This is what you're gonna, what you're gonna encounter when you try and do the right thing. Yeah, in Matthew 10:22, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So I think I think this uh, Chuck Tate is exactly right on this. Stop trying to be uh, all things to all people, popular, likable uh, in in the mainstream. Jesus said it's not going to be like that. Yeah, and don't be surprised, don't be shocked, don't be shaken when things don't go smoothly, Monty. You know Jesus was so well liked they killed him. So yeah, right. Nick, your thoughts on that? Yeah, we we can't expect people to love like us uh, when we tell them things that goes contrary to what their desires are, and uh, the ways of the world are going away from what the Lord has taught. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, now I can't think of Nick. You might be able to help me with this. Uh, 
Jesus even gave a warning. Uh, Take heed when all men speak well. I speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And it's in Luke, and I'm I'm drawing a blank now of where that is. But Jesus actually said it'd be a warning sign if everybody liked you. Yeah, that that's like a big red flag going up. Uh, uh, let's see. You need you'd need to change your ways and begin to study your Bible if everybody yeah. liked you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't find it. Maybe some somebody in our chat room can find that for me. It, it's in. It's. I know it's in Luke, but not, and I right now I can't draw it to mind. All right. Uh, so anyway, I got to call time on this, but okay. uh, certainly stop expecting the world to like you. Number two. Okay. Number two. Quit throwing your own teammates under the bus. Um, and then he expounds on that a little. He said we're called to build each other up, not tear each other down. In fact, Jesus said that our love for each other proves to the world that we're really his true disciples john thirteen thirty five. i think that's right you know I, again i have to agree wholeheartedly with this and I, I think we see way too much of that sort of thing uh christians who treat each other worse than they would teach treat total strangers uh you know uh bitter hateful rivalry strife envy uh jealousy judgmentalism hypocrisy i I think I think that it is a great detriment to the cause of Christ when we as Christians, even members in a in a common local congregation, can't treat each other with love and respect and dignity. You know, I, I'm sure most of our listeners have been in church situations where things got ugly, and when they get ugly, they seem to fly apart pretty fast and get really ugly. Um, well, there's okay. even been I mean, it's, you know, there, there's even been news stories of of fist fights and brawls that have broken out in church meetings and i mean it's crazy yep money well you know jesus said a house divided amongst against itself couldn't stand so if we're throwing our own teammates under the bus if we're not getting along we're ensuring that the congregation that we're members of is not going to be a successful congregation in spreading the gospel all right excellent so we got to stop that for sure uh, Chris in Atlanta, who gave us this this uh, connection to this blog, says on this, he says, this is really true. What do our children think of our preacher, elders, and fellow Christians based upon our dinner table conversations? We can be vicious toward our brethren, and obviously we should not be. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's grab one more before, maybe one more, maybe two Boy, more before we get to a break. We're going to have to have seven segments at this rate. All right. Let's go to number three. Quit gossiping. This includes sharing juicy prayer requests with no intention of actually praying. Now, I'm not familiar with that last part. You know, apparently that is something that might happen in some denominations, you know, that uh, actually they make prayer requests, but the reason they're doing it is so that they can share a little bit of juicy information. You need to pray for Bob. He's beating his wife again. Or, or, or pray for Susie. She's sleeping with her boyfriend. Right. You know, and, and you don't really mean to pray for her, but you you just want to get that information. You, you need want, to pray for her. You wouldn't believe where I saw her the other night. Yeah. 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 So it, it, I, I'm, I got, I, honestly, I can say I don't, I don't think that's a problem, uh, among people we associate with. Uh, but let's, gossiping let's is back it up to gossip. Just That's back up to gossiping, yep. and, and and I think gossip is a huge big Chris problem. Chris says it's a huge problem in the church. It goes back to that previous point about throwing our teammates under the bus and destroying one another, biting yeah. and devouring. Yeah, it has to stop. It needs to stop now. Uh, real quick, Monty, you might comment about this. It's it's not necessarily gossip if I talk to you about the spiritual situation of a brother or sister in Christ. You know, there's been times when I've had some things that I was needed advice on. 
that had maybe to do with the relationship I was having someone or a struggling relationship, and I've come and asked you and said, here's what the situation is, as I understand it. How do I need to best proceed in order to get this resolved? Well, I wasn't telling you that just to give you juicy information. I was telling you that in order to solve a problem. I needed help in solving a problem I was dealing with. So I don't think that's gossip. Gossip has more to do with your motivation. I, you know, this, I could be imparting the same information, but in a, just for the purpose of telling you about it, because I had something neat and you didn't know it, then that's gossip and that's wrong. The Bible very soundly condemns that, says that people that gossip are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So we can't be doing that. But there are going to be times that we need help in solving issues that we have, and it's very appropriate to receive wise counsel from each other on that. And Yeah, and so uh, I, I think the gossip has a lot to do with the motive by which information, about the reason why. Uh, information is being shared and we do need to be really careful i think gossip is a big problem in the church uh psalm 101 5 who so privily slandereth his neighbor him will i cut off uh so the lord does not like that sort of thing and we should not like it either and it's really hurtful and it it really hurts the cause uh and we need to stop doing it right now let's sneak in another one before the break, this will force us to go fast. Okay, now this one I don't understand. Um, number four, quit replacing prayer with good vibes and positive thoughts. Uh, no, just no. Prayer moves the hand of God, and the hand of God moves the world. Um, prayer is much more effective than making someone feel warm and fuzzy inside. By the way, I'm not saying positive thoughts and good vibes are wrong. They do make you feel good. They do make you feel good. I'm just saying prayer trumps them both. I'm not sure what that means. Quit replacing prayer with good vibes and positive thoughts. Uh, I do know that especially a lot of denominational groups spend an awful lot of time with feel good sort of stuff, you know. Uh, and maybe that's what this author, I'm not sure what he's saying there. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's uh, some of that emotionalism kind of stuff that uh, that people are promoting so much today. I think what he's talking about, used to when somebody was going through a difficult time, you'd hear someone say, I'll keep you in my prayers. Well, nowadays a lot you hear people say, I'll keep you in my thoughts. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. You know, I'm going gonna, gonna to be thinking positive thoughts in your directions that things oh. will go well. Well, that's fine and dandy, and I, I appreciate that, but I'd a whole lot rather you prayed for me. That may be it exactly, Monty. And, uh, Nick, you got any idea on that? I, I'm not. <laughs> I, you're, I've, you're not. You're not I've into those uh, good vibe now. things. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think Monty may be onto something, yeah. uh, and it may be exactly that expression. Instead of "I'll keep you in in my prayers," these people say, "You'll be in my thoughts." Yeah. Well, the fact that you're in my thoughts doesn't help me much, probably. Yeah. But if I'm in your prayers, that might be a big help. So that's probably it. All right. We're going to get a break. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Uh, the next one up is quit saying repentance isn't necessary. It is. Jesus said so. You need to quit saying that repentance isn't necessary. That's absolutely true. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that He commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. 
Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here are some quotes worth pondering. A man wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. People know what you are by what they see, not by what they hear. Temper is what gets most of us into trouble. Pride is what keeps us there. Living would be easier if men showed as much patience at home as they do when they're fishing. The company you keep will determine the trouble you meet. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about 22 things that Christians need to stop doing right now, according to Chuck Tate in a recent article that he posted. I got an e- a couple of emails from my friend Kent Bailey down in Georgia, and he wrote, I do agree with the basic thrust of Chuck Tate's article. To summarize all of the points, Christians, members of the Lord's Church, need to stop allowing the world to dictate our standards and be guided only by the New Testament of Jesus Christ. I agree with that, Kent. And then he goes on, he said, after that initial response, he says, I read the entire article, and he said, I would like to add this postscript to my previous comments. Obviously, Mr. Tate is not a Christian. Uh, he's a denominationalist, not a member of the Lord's Church. He does make some valid points, which I would be in agreement. However, I would disagree with his point that non-Christians cannot understand the Bible. Christ made a universal statement in John 8:32, where all accountable people can know the truth because of such knowledge be made free from sin. This is going to be on number seven. So let's, let's hang on to that for just a minute and keep moving forward with these 22 things that Christians need to stop doing right now. Number five, he says, quit saying that repentance isn't necessary. To that, Chris says, yep, too many times we want to avoid a conflict by watering down the truth. If we truly love someone, then we'll tell them to, in the truth in a loving way about sin, regardless of hurt feelings. Um, in his blog, Tate says that there are, I didn't know this, I hadn't counted them. He says there are 53 references to repentance in the New Testament. He says, now go and repent. You know, I, I think this probably goes to the idea that uh, we hear it a lot in, re- in the religious world. Just come just as you are. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and the implication is you don't have to change anything. Stay where you are. Yeah. Come, um, come as you are. Stay where you are. Uh, and you don't have to change anything uh, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just wrong. Right. Right. Not, uh, not really presenting the gospel, which is to change lives, but rather just say, hey, you're happy, you're, we're happy where you are. Now, that's one angle on it. There's another angle as well. And there's folks who are saying, well, it doesn't matter how you live. As long as you believe, you're, you're okay. You'll be saved. Yeah. You don't have to repent. Yeah. Now, some folks wouldn't come out and say that. They, they, they'd but, argue with you about that. But that's what their doctrine it teaches logically. But, it, yeah, because if you, if you took the position of salvation by faith only, right. that all you have to do is believe, then that means you don't have to repent. If all you have to do is believe, then that would exclude repentance. Yes. And they and and now they would they would try to back away from that, but that that is the logical conclusion of their position. Nick, yeah, the latter part of Acts seventeen thirty says God commands all men everywhere to repent. Exactly. And right. So uh, there, there, I don't, I don't see any getting around that. People need to change when they are out of step with God's word. Exactly right. Yeah, right. It, it, it is. Uh, if we understand God's word for what it is, and and the blessing is that God's given us the instructions, and why wouldn't we want to repent? and line up with what God has given us uh, as his will. Uh, certainly a lot of uh, mistakes in the war, in the religious world on that. All right, number six. Quit saying that 
Portions of the Bible that make you feel uncomfortable are irrelevant and nothing more than dated writings. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there there are some hard parts of the Bible and some things that are difficult to understand. There are some things that are difficult to apply. Uh, and, you know, if you just want to dismiss the parts that you don't like, then, then what are you going to there's There's, it almost makes the Bible completely useless. If I can ignore the parts that are... Uh, not uh, to my liking, and you can ignore the parts that are not to your liking, then pretty soon we're not going to have anything left. Right. And nobody is bold enough to say, well, I'm going to dismiss those as being irrelevant and dated just because they make me feel uncomfortable. That is what we're doing, in fact, when we do try and dismiss various teachings that we don't like or don't harmonize with what we previously believe or what our society says is the norm. Uh, now, this Tate in his blog says all 66 books, 1,189 chapters, and 31,102 verses. I didn't know that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. Uh, he says all of them are inspired, are the inspired word of God. So the next time you think about throwing out the Old Testament, just remember that Jesus quoted it numerous times in all four Gospels. Oh, true. And we think the, the Old Testament is valuable and and important, but it, uh, I would just qualify that by saying this is not the law that we live by. But it is nonetheless the inspired and inerrant word of God yeah. and uh, should be respected as such. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. All right, number seven, quit expecting unbelievers, non-Christians, to understand the Bible and or live like Christ. Um, he says it's hard enough for Christians to live like Christ, and it's impossible to do so without him until he... Until the blinders are removed. And then he offers some verses. Now, th- this is what Kent was mentioning in his email. He says, uh, uh, I disagree with this point that non-Christians cannot understand the Bible. Christ made a universal statement in John 8.32 where all accountable people can know the truth be- and because of such knowledge be made free from sin. I, I I would also disagree with Tate. I, I think that the implication of that statement is that until the Holy Spirit does some direct action on your heart, you can't understand the Bible. And and I don't agree with that. And and I think we should expect people to understand the Bible. Uh, in in fact, in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul commanded that the that the Word of God be understood. Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the God, of the Lord is. Ephesians five verse seventeen. So it, the Bible is understandable, and you don't have to. It, you just you just use the the intellect that God has supplied you with. You don't have to have any mysterious, uh, extra, uh, miraculous working of the Holy Spirit in order to turn the key and flip on the light. Just read it, study, understand. Chris has picked up on that as well. He says, "I think everyone is able to understand the Bible. We should always be ready to help explain when needed." Nick, your thoughts. Yeah, I believe if God is God is uh, not willing that any should perish, then He has designed His message, as you pointed out in Ephesians five seventeen, to understand it, and it's an understandable will. It'd be amazing to have a Creator or someone over you that would give you a document that you couldn't understand. So, yeah. people that need to repent, He commands all men everywhere to repent, and therefore they. Uh, you know, they can't understand. They'd have to know what they need to repent of, right? They'd have exactly. to be able to understand it. The, uh, uh, I, I think it's really an indictment of God. This, this, and it's, it's a fairly pervasive idea that the Bible is just too much. You know, it, it, no one can understand it. It's just such a hard, confusing book. 
Well, that's really an indictment of Almighty God that he couldn't write a document or have a document produced that is understandable. I, I disagree. I think we can expect everyone to understand the Bible, and we can expect everyone to live like Christ because that is what we're supposed to be doing. You know, I mean, along those lines, I'll take a little bit different angle on this. Quit expecting unbelievers and non-Christians to live like Christ. Well, I think that probably is a valid uh, thing we need to quit doing. We look at the world around us, we get all discouraged when the world around us is living immoral and evil lives. Well, that's what people do when they're following Satan rather than following God. We need to be. We don't need to think that the world is a safe place, Monty, that it's a friendly place. We are different than the world, and the, the world is serving a different master. Well, that and the, the world are going to, these people that are unbelievers now that are not living like Christ, they're going to stay unbelievers until we teach them and make believers out of them. And at that point, then they'll be ready to repent and change their lives and start living like Christ. But until that point, they're lost, and that's why they're lost, is because they're unbelievers and don't know any better. Yes. All right. Uh, in the chat room, guest 9305 says, and I think he's talking about the previous point where you can just, the, the parts of the Bible you don't like, just uh, call them irrelevant and dated he says that sounds like buffet religion, yes. which is basically take what you like and leave what you don't like, and we can't do that. Alright. Next point. Alright, so we're on to number, let's see, what are we at? Number uh, eight. Quit acting like the Great Commission, go into the world and preach the gospel, go to all the world and preach the gospel, is instead of the Great Commission is the Great Suggestion. No, I like the way he, he that. says it's a command. Go already. And he references Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and Mark sixteen fifteen, the Great Commission. I think that's probably a, a very worthy point that that we've got to, uh, you know, that, that's our job. That's our assignment. It's not just a suggestion. It's a command. I, I don't know too much more to say about that. We need to all take it seriously. Right. Absolutely. Do everything that we can um, and uh, quit setting our hands. Um, Chris likes the wording he put forth there. Yeah, so I think we can all agree on that one. Number nine. Number nine, quit thinking that it's okay to be silent about your faith. Uh, he says, yes, it's just as important to represent Jesus by how we live, but someone can't respond to the good news without hearing it, and they can't hear it if no one opens their mouth. I think that's a really good point, and I would agree wholeheartedly. I've known people who said, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to speak to, to my neighbor about Christ. I'm just gonna live it before him. Well, good. Live it before him. But you can live it before him forever. And he'll never know what he has to do to be yeah. saved. Rather than the Great Commission, I think that's the great cop out. I, I, I don't yeah. think it's a valid, uh, yeah. I mean, now you're gonna set, certainly set your example. We and, your exam- and your example might be the, that which opens the door to speak to him. But you gotta speak to him. And wives with unbelieving husbands can, without a word, convert their husband by their example. First uh, Peter three. So there, there is a time when that's that's acceptable, but it can't be our only mode of of, of evangelizing. Well, but even there in First Peter three, the wives winning their husbands without a word. That husband is is ultimately going to have to be taught. Sure. Right. You, you can't just see an example of someone living a godly life. And know from that what you must do to be saved. You have to hear the word. Yeah. Faith cometh by hearing, not seeing. Faith yeah. cometh by hearing the word right. of God. Yeah. She she certainly would not nag her husband about studying the Bible. But she's if he if she's going to teach him anything other than by her example, she's going to have to say what the word says. Yeah. Yeah. The man uh, has to learn that from hearing the word of God. That's the only way you can right. understand it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly right. All right, uh, Monty. Anything? Well, I was going to say that 
that talking about she can win him without a word, I don't think that's necessarily a literal thing right there. I think it's got more to do with like what Nick was talking about. She's not constantly nagging him, but she's going to set the example. She's going to set the example, and he's going to ask her questions, or by that example, it's going to motivate him. But speaking, it's uh, that without a word, I think has to do with a constant nagging word. But she's going to lead by example and teach him the truth. Okay. All right. Finally, one more before we get our uh, bullet point break. Number 10, quit being more passionate about your political affiliation than your relationship with Jesus. Ooh, I think that probably hits a lot of people pretty close to home. And it may be especially appropriate for us in regards to our upcoming community Bible study. We're going to be talking about things involving the political election this fall. But we're going to be talking about the moral issues attached to that, not to the political considerations. But I think I do know some Christians who are really wound up tight uh, about politics, about what's going on in Washington, D.C. or in other uh, political centers of the world. They're more worried about that than they are about lost people uh, or what's going on in in the Lord's church. It's almost a religion to them. And, um, you know, people are willing to make enemies based because, based on their political uh, inclinations. Not, I'm not talking not, not about moral issues. I'm talking about just political things that, that aren't really worth making enemies over. And yeah. maybe making that relationship where we're not going to be able to, to yeah. talk to yeah. someone about religious things. Yeah, uh, because if it's just politics, if it's economics or, yeah. or something like that, yeah, I mean, he's for he's not for free trade and, and uh, that guy he's against the free he's trade. Ag- he's against the unions or he's pro union. You know, I mean, if that's not worth making an enemy over, because what because what we're striving to do is a lot more important than that. Sure, winning that argument. And here's another thing. My, I don't did I cut you off, money? Go ahead. If we we I, I think. Most people would find it fairly easy to have a discussion about political matters around the coffee table at work or whatever. But are we? Do we have that same well, you know, ability they, to talk about religious things? I mean, do, are, are we that concerned about religious things? To talk about them openly? That, there used to be saying, "Don't that you should never discuss religion or politics." Right now, everybody discusses politics, but you, they still don't want to talk, touch the religion subject. So, yeah. Well, I was kind of thinking along the same line as Jacob. It, it's sad that a lot of people are more interested in, in converting your thought process to a Democratic vote or a Republican vote or, or some other political party. And we'll talk about that, but we won't talk about Jesus. And it's going to be a difficult thing, I think, to stand in judgment and try to excuse ourselves for not teaching. Well, I was too bashful or too shy or too whatever, or I didn't know what to say to convert people to Jesus. And God said, well, you had plenty to say about politics. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just I think we need to an- analyze ourselves and make sure that's that's not the case. We need to prepare, prepare ourselves more for religious and spiritual matters than we do political matters. Right. I, 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 I think, think about what Jude said, to earnestly contend for the faith. So the, the, the body of teaching that uh, is in the Scripture, we need to... We need to fight for it. We need to speak up and say things about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to get a break. We actually got farther than I thought we would get. Uh, we're just under halfway through. Um, so uh, we'll take a break. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Uh, what do you think about the things we've talked about so far? Share your comments in the chat room, and uh, we hope you'll stay tuned for the rest. Uh, don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages.
This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Jesus said, quote, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, verse 3. Repentance, true repentance, is surely one of the hardest things God has commanded us to do. It is important that we understand what true repentance is and also what it is not. Repentance is not simply quitting your sin. A man might stop drinking because he can no longer afford it or stop beating his wife because she has left him or stop cursing because he lost his voice. The sin has stopped, but no repentance has taken place. Repentance also is not hiding your sin. The fact that a person tries to conceal his sin does not prove he has repented. Remember how David tried to hide his sin with Bathsheba? Also, repentance is not just being sorry. Many are sorry for the consequences of their sin, the result of their sin, the pain their sin has caused for themselves or others, but this sorrow is not real repentance. Repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change of action. Jesus illustrated repentance perfectly in two of his parables. In one, he described this situation, quote, a certain man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. Matthew 21, beginning verse 28. Do you see it? Clearly, there was a change of thinking followed by a change of conduct. Again, Jesus told of the prodigal son who ruined his life, but, quote, came to himself and arose and went to his father. Luke 15, beginning verse 11. His obvious change of attitude prompted him to return to his father's house and confess his unworthiness. This is repentance. What about you? Have you had this important change of heart that has caused you to turn to God in obedience? Remember, God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17, verse 30. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight, uh, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, is where you can find out more information about us, as well as find out how to podcast recent sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use if you'd like to get in touch with us with any question or comment. And uh, we I saw there's some bumper stickers around still. If you want one of those, uh, send us an email with your snail mail address, and we'll get you one of those free of charge. All right. We're looking at it. what we're doing in our program tonight. Uh, our friend Chris in Atlanta sent us a, a link to a blog by a guy named Chuck Tate who lists 22 things Christians need to stop doing now. And we were looking at those, going quickly through that list. And what we're finding out is that we agree with a number of things that he said, although we have some differences with a few. We're, we're through 10. We're ready for number 11. And he uses sort of a, a slang expression here that I'm going to try to modify a little. Quit using the Bible to, to beat people up, yeah. uh, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, he says that doesn't work ever. Uh, I don't care if you're right. If you're a jerk, nobody is listening. Love wins. Well, uh, he says he does, he's not talking about the book by Rob Bell, which is the one that, that you know he says there's no hell kind of stuff, but everybody's yeah. going to heaven. But um, you got to wonder. I think I think I would agree with some of that. Although I mean, the, idea, the jerk part, I definitely agree with. Uh, you know, some people are just hateful in their approach, and they're probably not going to be very effective. You know. Uh, but every situation demands a different judgment in how you deal with people. You know, Jesus was pretty straightforward and harsh with the, the, the scribes and Pharisees. 
you know, some people, you know, you have to use a a straightforward and even sometimes a a harsh methodology in order to reach them. In Jude, in the book yeah. of Jude, Jude said, verse twenty two: "Of some have compassion, making a difference." And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I think that was pretty direct preaching there and uh, teaching when they're pulling them out of the fire. Uh, not a lot of uh, dancing around the issue there, Monty. You know, we're taught in the New Testament at times we're to rebuke people sharply. Yeah, Titus uh, 2, but one of those places I was looking at, Monty, Titus chapter 1, verse 13 rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So there is an appropriate time for a sharp rebuke. Uh, I don't think that should be our lead-in approach. We should be able to talk to somebody and have an intelligent conversation with them, hopefully. But there's going to be times when it's going to require more firmness and sometimes, as it says, a sharp rebuke. It's, it's not a, a, a friendly thing. It, you're having to really get after somebody. Now we got to keep this in balance with uh, what uh, Chris has said. He says uh, we should always teach the truth in love. And so that sharp rebuke, that stern preaching and teaching is always going to be motivated by love. So it's not just so that I get the chance to beat somebody up. You know, it's it, not just so that I can brag to somebody about how I told him. Yeah, you it's always it. done in love. I won that argument. Yeah, boy. Yeah, it's not a competition. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, Kent in Georgia says, uh, I would state that while we have a divine obligation to expose sin, we must not personally and verbally beat up on those involved in sin. One can and must press the point in opposition to all sin without personally attacking people. I think that's right. Okay. So, again, uh, we would probably agree with that, in principle at least. Nick? Yeah. We, we see that Paul's instruction to Timothy was, you know, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. So we don't want to be quarrelsome to be just be uh, at odds with people. But there's a humility that we need to have. He says, he says in humility, correcting those. We had to be corrected in our lives so we understand what we like, how we like to be approached. So if we try to use that with others, and sometimes I've just had to been I've had to be told that I was wrong about something, yeah. so it yeah. might be very sharp the way it comes across to, to the one receiving. Come across sharp. Yeah, no yeah. chastening of the Lord, you know, yeah. is no chastening seems to be joyous yeah. for the moment. But, Anytime you know. somebody tells you you're wrong, it's not oh, <laughs> it's not a pleasant situation, you know. But we need it. We exactly. need it sometimes. Exactly right. Next point. All right. Uh, now this is number twelve. Quit your legalistic rants knee-jerk reactions, and judgmentalism. Right. You're turning people off. You're making good news bad news. Jesus befriended sinners. Try it, and great things will happen. Uh, what about that, Jacob? Well, he uses that word legalistic, and I... I'm, I, I have I, a knee-jerk reaction to the word legalistic. That does cause a knee-jerk reaction <laughs> to me, because I can't read them. I don't know what that means. I, 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 don't, I just don't know what that... I mean, where, where that's condemned in the Bible, but... I mean, if it means ranting about people who are in, engaged in sin, I would say we probably need to rant about that. Yeah, I, I mean, people I, that are not following the laws of God's word will. And and there there is judgment that we're supposed to make. Uh, Jesus uh, instructed us, in, in fact, commanded us uh, to judge righteous judgment. John chapter seven verse twenty four. So that's just too broad of a statement there. Now, uh, now maybe we want to use some tact in the way that we talk against uh, sin. 
but uh, there may be some times when we need to rant. You know, I think, would we say that Jesus, when he cleansed the temple, would that uh, be qualified as a rant? I think it probably would. Read Matthew 23, where he just goes into a, a long discourse against the scribes and Pharisees and calling them hypocrites over and over again. Uh, again, I think different situations require different approaches, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I yeah. think that's probably a very broad brush statement that I could not agree with in a hundred percent. Yeah, you're turning people off. Well, yeah, we probably will sometimes. Jesus befriended sinners. Try it, and great things will happen. Well, Jesus didn't befriend sinners and just hug them and say, "I love you. Everything's going to be all right." Yeah. He said, "You got to change." Yeah, go and sin no more. He said. Yeah. Anybody? Anything? That's basically what I was going to say. Uh, as far as being legalist, people, when typically I've heard that phrase used a lot, and they say, well, Jesus condemned the Pharisees for being legalists. No, he didn't condemn them for being legalists because he said, they're right. Do what they're teaching you. Just don't do it with their rotten attitude. So he, you know, when he talked about the the tithing of the mint and anise would come, and, you know, those small garden herbs that you wouldn't have that much as a whole year's crop. They still tithed it because, and Jesus said, that's what you should have done. And, and that's pretty a, nitpicky to, I'm going to give a tenth of this set of herbs that I could hold in the palm of my hand. Well, that's nitpicky. That's legalistic. Jesus said do it, but also there's other matters of the law that don't need to be written. He didn't assign a derogatory term to their actions no. either. There was nothing wrong with them giving tithes of their men and us coming. He, he never condemned the Pharisees for strict adherence to the law. He never did. And that, But that's what most people think of when they think of legalism. Oh, you think you have to strictly keep the law. Well, Jesus never condemned strictly keeping the law of God. And and so people have got a wrong idea about legalism. All right. Yeah, they were told to strain the gnat and not eat the camel. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they were eating the camel and shouldn't have been. Yeah, exactly <laughs> but, right. but it was right to strain out that insect yeah. out of their drink. All right. right. Um, and Chris says we should never shy away from teaching truth, even when it is uncomfortable. So, all right. But we got to use tact. We're not going to disagree with that. We want to use tact and make sure we're doing that in the most effective way, out of love, because we want the uh, end effect to be the conversion of lost souls. So we're Again, going to do the best that we can to, to discern what is the best approach. And looking at a blog by blogger Chris Tate, 22 things Christians need to stop doing now. Uh, number 13, quit calling yourself a Christian if you believe there are multiple paths that lead to salvation. In other words, uh, I'm a Christian, but you could be you could be a non-believing Jew, you could be a Muslim, you could be a Buddhist, you could be a Hindu. You know, there are just different ways to go to heaven. Well, he says, stop calling yourself a Christian if you believe that, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Yes. Uh, so um, in Acts chapter 4, verse 17, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's uh, very exclusive, this gospel of Christ. Not a lot of options here. You're either going to be a Christian or you're going to be lost. I mean, that's what it says. Yeah, like, can, we yeah. can't mince those I, words. I, I think we, I think uh, we got full agreement with him on that point. Let's go to fourteen real quick. Number fourteen: Quit living like everybody's going to heaven and nobody's going to hell. Jesus died so the whole world could be saved, but he didn't. But he said the path to heaven is narrow and few find it. And for the record, he preached more about hell than heaven, but he did it without using a bullhorn and manipulative scare tactics. Yeah, uh, he says lead like Jesus, but he's right. I think he's right. 
when he said, Jesus said this straight and narrow way leads to life eternal and few there be to find it, Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Uh, you know, unfortunately in the religious world today, the, the very prevailing thought is everybody's going, oh, well, almost everybody's going. And few, uh, yeah, you know, well, Hitler's not, the legalist. Saddam Hussein's not, but everybody else is. Yeah, Saddam Hussein, Hitler, and the legalist aren't going to go, <laughs> yeah. but everybody else is. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Chris says, uh, once we really grasp the reality of hell, it should spur us on to fervently try and spread the gospel. And it should. Thank you, Chris, for that. You know, if I believed everybody was going to heaven and nobody was going to hell, there wouldn't be any reason, as we were talking about earlier, to pursue the great commission. Yeah. So it, 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 uh, we agree here. All right. Now let's get a break. When we get back, we're going to have our work cut out for us. Lightning round. Seven to go uh, after we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue. Go to the top of the hour right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hi. My name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of You Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Today, the average traditional funeral costs between $8,000 and $10,000. About 42% of people are cremated. The U.S. funeral industry accounts for about $20 billion in annual economic activity with around 130,000 employees that make a living on the 1.5 million people that go to rest each year. There are approximately 22,000 funeral homes in the United States. That information is via Forbes.com. The Word of God says in Hebrews 9, verse 27, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. Back on the program, going to the top of the hour, looking at 22 things that uh, Chuck Tate says Christians need to stop doing now. Okay, real quick, we're going to go quick. Number 15, quit acting like you're better than those who don't know Jesus. You're not. Amen. We're not better. Nobody's better and nobody is worthy. But we're blessed to know about salvation in Christ Jesus, and those people need to know about salvation in Christ Jesus. So it's not a question about who's better. Uh, all men, uh, Nick referenced earlier, uh, the Lord wants all men to be saved. That's me and you and everybody else, too. He values us all equally. We're not better than anybody else, but we're blessed because someone shared the gospel with us, and we need to share the gospel with someone else. That's right, and we, need, we definitely need to uh, realize the um, important position we're in and the blessed position we're in okay let's go to 16 
Number 16. Quit criticizing loving believers who take a biblical stand for godly morals. Uh, uh, you know, maybe that's going on. I think maybe it is, you know, because because what's happened among those who profess to be Christians is they've let the world drag them along into looser and looser moral positions. Uh, and so he says, quit criticizing loving believers who take a biblical stand for godly morals. Well, we all should take a stand for godly morals. But as as he implies in that statement, there are some people who uh, criticize when we speak up for oh, yeah. moral values. You teach what the Bible teaches. Oh, that's that's not loving. You need to. I, I'll agree with you, but you shouldn't be talking like that. Uh, condemn homosexuality. Yeah. Oh, you know, you got to love the homosexual. Yeah. Well, we love the homosexual. Are you sure we should preach against it? Yeah, uh, I agree. It's wrong, but should, should we? Yeah, or divorce and remarriage, yeah. or you know, you name uh, the the moral issue. And he says, so uh, I would agree with him on that. I think uh, he says uh, he says Jesus didn't call us to be politically correct. Develop some backbone. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, number seventeen. Quit pointing out the speck in your neighbor's eye while ignoring the plank in your own eye. Uh, he says, by the way, I can hardly see my computer as I type this because of the log in my own eye. That's a direct statement from Jesus. I don't know how anybody could disagree with that. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, a uh, very familiar passage, he said, How will I say to thy neighbor, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So uh, I don't know how anybody could disagree with that, but the idea is, you know, get the log out of your eye. But then you can help get the yeah. speck out of yeah, your eye. The, the, the thought of today is, well, just leave the, the log in your eye, and, well, you just can't talk about me because you got a log in your eye. No, we should be getting the log out. Get the log, and then help your neighbor get the speck out of his eye. Chris says, uh, this is true, but when we know there's a plank in our eye, we need to strive and correct that. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris, for that. Exactly right. All right, number 18. This, no. is, this is going to hit hard, maybe. I don't know. Some people in this room. <laughs> you talking about me again? Well, maybe. I don't know. He says, quit being a jerk, period. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I think I he mentioned he used that word jerk earlier, too. Uh, uh, but here he just says, don't be a jerk. And I, I think that's true. Whatever your position is, he says on anything, if you can't communicate it in love, you're a clanging symbol and your message is worthless. So, yeah, I probably shouldn't have called you a wimp earlier uh, in, in a previous point. He used the word that if you don't have a backbone, you're a wimp. Uh, but I think that's a, probably a good statement. If you can't communicate it in love, you're a clanging symbol and your message is worthless. That comes from 1 Corinthians 13, by the way. Yes. W- which tells us to do all things in love. And so, Chris says we need to be loving but firm on the truth. So yeah. th- this I knew a guy. I knew a guy years ago. Uh, who was described this way. Someone said about him, he's always right, but you wish he wasn't. Right. Well, we've probably all known some people like that. And and, and the problem was that he didn't come across w- with any love or compassion at all. He, ha- he had the truth on, on subjects, but he didn't present it in, in any kind of compassionate, loving way. And people they didn't like to hear it. I corrected my daughter today at home. <laughs> And uh, she thanked me later <laughs> on trying to teach the kids some particulars in Bible history. Yeah. But I've, when you up and you you've been preaching it for several years, and said all of a sudden you see a chart and said, you know, who do, who does who's Esau's descendants? 
she had the Moabites, and I said, I believe that's Lot's descendants. Yeah, that's so, right, yeah. yeah. All right. cor- you're trying to just correct people to be accurate. Exactly right. And, but, and, we, and we try to do it in love, and, that, and that's a, I think it's a tough challenge. It's a fine line to walk, but we, we're trying to do it in love. Uh, that's, uh, so, yes, quit being a jerk. I, I agree with that. Number 19. Quit defending sin. Quit hating sinners. Quit, let's do two parts there. Quit defending sin. Well, certainly, uh, no, but some a lot of religious people are. I mean, the, the homosexual thing. You got by, by the way, uh, Jacob and Monty. I want to commend your program. Last week I was away, but I heard the podcast, and I just thought you guys did an excellent job uh, well, describing and dealing with the homosexual agenda. I mean, uh, man, if you got if, if you listeners have not heard that program, go back and get the podcast or get in the archives. Uh, what'd you call it? Uh, Avoiding Satan, Satan's agenda. Uh, Satan's agenda, yeah. It's excellent. Uh, uh, but there are religious people who are, who are allowing Satan's agenda to work and they will not uh, condemn sin. They actually defend the sin. Yeah. So yes, quit defending sin. But he says quit hating sinners. I think that's true. Monty? I think a problem in defending sin is, it's, it's not really as prominent maybe is, is the homosexual movement people making excuses for them? But a lot of times we know what the truth is, and we've taught the truth for years until some family member of ours gets involved in whatever this particular sin is, maybe a wrongful marriage that they're not that they shouldn't be in, and then we start making excuses. And I, that's the impression I had. <clears throat> what he's saying here is quit defending, quit making excuses for our family members, our friends, whoever that's living in some type of sin, and you know, we can't. We can't go along with that. We can't tolerate that. We can't defend it. We have to stand on the truth. Exactly right. But he says also quit hating sinners. Well, unfortunately, that probably happens, and we may all be guilty of that to some degree. We need to love the sinner, and we need to try to seek his repentance and his salvation through Christ Jesus. Uh, we need to love him and bring him to salvation in Christ Jesus. Three more to go, and uh, not much time to get there. All right, number 20, quit using the phrase, he who's without sin cast the first stone out of context. Amen to that. Uh, you know, uh, and, and that happens, right? Uh, you, you say, well, homosexuality is wrong. Cheating on your wife is wrong. Well, he's without sin. Let him cast the first stone. Yeah, when you say that, you mean you don't have any sins in your right, life? Right, right. So, and so they're using the expression uh, uh, that Jesus did. Remember, this was the episode where they brought him a woman who was taken in the very act of adultery. And Jesus, there was a lot wrong with that whole situation. And Jesus knew that the Pharisees who brought the woman to him had ulterior motives to entrap him in his answer. Uh, And so he, because he knew their corrupt hearts, because he can perfectly perfectly read their hearts, uh, he, he, instead of dealing with the question that they posed him, you know, for instance, if the woman was taken in the act of adultery, where was the man? You know, uh, but they didn't bring the man. They brought the woman. But it was, it was clear that they had they had corrupt motives in 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 the whole situation they brought. To, but Jesus wasn't going to. He, he he didn't say you're okay, woman. You, you, you know, God did, gave the instructions to. Stone those who are caught in the act of adultery. So it wasn't like Jesus said, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. There was a problem with the, the, the way that it was handled. Yeah. There, the, apparently the evidence wasn't compelling uh, or be, 
if it, if it was the man who was involved in the act would have been there too. Uh, and so he just said, well, whoever doesn't have a, a, a sin can cast the first stone here. They all left because they were, they were indicted by that statement of Jesus, which exposed their corruptness in the whole matter. Uh, and then to the woman, Jesus said, go and sin no more. He didn't commend, he didn't commend or endorse her sin. He didn't overlook her sin. He said, go and sin no more. Number 21. You guys got anything on that? You don't have time uh, to have anything on it. Okay, Number 21. Uh, 21, quit using grace as a license to live however you want. I think there's more and more. We, we've talked several times, yeah. even more recently, about how people misuse grace. We've got a, just a recent program uh, that you and I did, Money on the Virtual Bible Study, uh, amazing grace, but not that amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people trying to make the grace of God do more than what it is. Now, the grace of God is amazing. It's yeah. overwhelming, but some people are trying to make God's grace do more than it does. Yes. And so I think that's what he, he's saying here, yes. uh, and we would agree with that. All right, number 22. 22, quit using the phrase when inviting people to come to church, come as you are. If you're going to complain, uh, if you're going to complain when they start showing up uh, as they are. I don't know about that. Uh, Kent had a comment about that. Yeah. Uh, Kent said... Uh, we need to modify the phrase come as you are in consideration to either non-Christians or unfaithful brethren visiting worship services. There would be a definite need to do some modification of that statement if if an individual well known for immoral dress or immodest dress, we certainly appreciate their visiting our assemblies, but would want them to wear clothing that would indicate principles of biblical morality. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, is I guess that's what this guy's meaning. Come as you are. If, if you're wear, if you got on a dirty t-shirt and torn jeans, come as you are. I guess that's what. Not he a means. rigid dress code, for instance. That 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 sometimes is what the phrase means. Other phrase, other ideas mean is just come as you are in whatever sinful state you're in. Yeah, I thought maybe that's what he meant. Just yeah. come in the sinful state you're in, and you don't have to change anything. And just, if that's the case, we certainly do want people to come as whatever sinful state they're in. They're not going to stay that way. But we certainly come. Don't uh, some people say? Well, I'm not living right, so I can't go to church. No, come on to church and start living right. Uh, and when we when we try to evangelize, we need to be prepared that uh, people who are evangelizing aren't going to be perfect. We look for people who are pretty close to being what God wants them to be, and those are the ones we think are the candidates for the gospel. We need to be evangelizing those who got a lot of problems in their life. Yeah, thank you. And when right. they come, they're going to bring those problems, and we need to be prepared to deal with them. Yeah. So okay. there's two ways to take that. One, uh, I think, as Kent said, you know, if we're saying come as you are, it means come in whatever clothes you have on or whatever. Well, yeah, we're not going to enforce a dress code, but we, we don't want people coming immodestly dressed either, you know. So that might be one consideration. But I probably think that the blogger had in mind the idea of come as you are in your sins. Well, yes, but that does not imply stay in your sins. Right, right. Okay. Any other comments from you gentlemen tonight? I believe you've covered it well. All right. So we what we dealt with was a blog here. We didn't get much comment in the chat room, probably because we were going so fast that we didn't have time to type anything in. But I think somebody ought to give us a sticker for getting through all 22 of those things or something. Yeah. Man, yeah. that was imp- that We'll was give imp- you an extra 
Community Bible Study bumper sticker. Bumper sticker. Put on your bumper. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. That community Bible Study. Hit it again. All right. Community Bible Study a week from this coming Monday. It'll be Monday and Tuesday, July 18th and 19th at the Memorial Building in Columbia. Steve Klein will be teaching on the Christian and his vote. Uh, we're going to talk about moral principles that relate to the upcoming election. Things Christians need to take into consideration as they're planning their vote. It'll be an important discussion. If you're anywhere near, plan to attend uh, July 18th and 19th. All right. They comment from uh, Timothy tonight. He says, I don't want to discourage people. Get people in the door, and they'll learn the truth. Certainly, we want people to come and uh, learn the truth so that they can be in a right relationship with God. Four people in the room tonight, and we got through 22 questions. It is an amazing feat, but thank you guys for your good comments. I know I missed some of your comments tonight. Just didn't look your way, but uh, thank you for the comments you were able to share thank you monty for being thank here. you jacob nick thank you for being here thank enjoyed the time with you and uh dad thanks for your time thanks jacob thank you for listening hope you benefited from our study and discussion of god's word we'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it thanks for listening to the virtual bible study brought to you by the college view church of christ the college view church of christ meets at 1618 hampshire pike in columbia tennessee if you are in the columbia tennessee area we encourage you to worship with the college view church of christ on sunday mornings at 9 30 and on sunday evenings at six o'clock the college view church of christ also welcomes you to attend their wednesday night bible studies at seven o'clock if you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the college View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.